Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. All right, we're rolling. This is uh, St. Patrick's Day. Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. This is Father Mike. And Father John, welcome to the podcast. Happy St. Patty's Day. Uh, and uh, what do you got there? You I got this uh, peach, peach cider. cider. Okay. I don't know. I do like the ciders, though. Yeah. I'm not sure. This one was in Goebel's fridge, so. Ciders are... It's a they, new thing. Peach. They're taking off. They're taking off now. They are... Is that the thing? Yep, I think so. They had uh, IPAs for a while. Before that was the wheat beer. The Goebel? You put the orange in the wheat beer. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, but I don't see people beer. putting the orange in the, in the wheat beer anymore. I don't know. Maybe that, that phase is past. Did you get all into the IPAs? I don't think you're drinking an IPA. No, this dark. is a Guinness tonight. Cheers. Happy oh, yeah. St. Patrick's Day. But hey, more importantly, Saint happy Patty. 38th birthday to you. Oh, yesterday. Thank you. Thank Monday. You. Yesterday. What day is it? Monday. Monday. 16th. 16th. I don't know. I don't even know. No, yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. That's right. St. Patrick's Day is the day before St. Patrick's Day. Mike, Gra- Grandma uh, Mary's birthday is the 15th, the uh, Ides of March. Ah, Ides of March, okay. And then, yeah, 1983. Do you remember being in Rome on the Ides of March and they would be out there reenacting? I never saw the reenactment. Oh, man, it was amazing. Yeah. Where did they do it? They did it at that. They would do it right at the cat, Largo, Argentina, where all palace. the cats are. <laughs> oh, yeah, Largo, <laughs> Such Argentina. Such a weird spot. Why is it called Argentina? Uh, silver, maybe? Is it Argent? But, yeah, but was it like a? I guess there's three. They're kind of like three old temples there. Maybe oh. they were gilded with silver or something. Argentine. Not sure. Yeah. Well, uh, Father Mike is 38. This is the uh, we're the 383s. So That's March right. 83, Father Mike, April of 83, Father Nathan, and then myself in August. And so he's always the first. And he kind That's of it. tests into the water, the tells oldest. us what what's the year, what's thir- so what's thirty eight like? Thirty eight. It's pretty exciting. It's going to be taking the interviews. <laughs> I get all so these funny. these interview requests. Yeah, and it's not like I don't know. It's just like your average, like local diocesan paper take and it. stuff like that. Knights of Columbus, I'm taking everything. Ladies Auxiliary, I'm taking everything. Rosary Guild. Yep. As long as they're online, I just you're need my signed name up. out there. Yep. <laughs> I think I'm going to climb the ranks. I can't remember number two, maybe like a doctor or somebody. or That sounds more legitimate. Academic or something. Yeah. You know what I thought I could do was, this might help. Um, my boy Chris Rogers sent us, he, he draws pictures that yep. are fantastic of all kinds of things. Saints and then less, less holy things like Catholic stuff you should know hosts. Right. But I figure maybe I should ask Chris Rogers to... Do Careful a, what you ask for. Do a Wikipedia page for me. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> that's, that's like a big bump on the If Google you have a search. Wikipedia page? Yeah. I would contribute to that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know what to expect. There could be all kinds of things, but... Anything it takes. I'm trying to think what else. What else could boost your Google, Google searching? I don't know. It's like get your name out there. Yeah. I think Catholic stuff is like the only thing that is actually I know. like... You know, some minor, minor, minor celebrity or something that's yeah. put my name on the. We of course we Googled my sister's name, uh-huh. and she, there was all kinds of personal stuff on there. Oh, like really? The, the names of your family members and oh. what your jobs are and all kinds of stuff. I was like, this cloud, yeah, this cloud has taken They've over. They've got everything. Maybe I should go, but okay. So this is my promise to the world. At forty, I'm going underground. Yeah, no more nothing. Off the, off the grid. <clears throat> no more nothing. I need to find a replacement for this thing. So you're gonna you're gonna boost the Google search internet persona and then disappear. Yep, that's, that's a great it. plan. That's it. And then I'm gonna change my name legally. Legally. <laughs> <laughs> next time you see me, it's gonna be. Uh, What's your know. pen name I'll be again, Father Bert Chilson? What's your pen name? Uh, yeah, Sam L. Clemens. Samuel Sam L. Clemens. Maybe I'll be Sam L. Clemens. Yeah. You got a cold sore. I got a bad cold sore. That happens occasionally to you. It does. I went on the hut trip. I got a bad mustache. Did I tell you about that? That mustache looking good. I went on the hut trip and had a, uh, had a terrible toothache. Oh, no. And I'm in the back. And you know how much I praise the wilderness, this kind of Thoreau oh, yeah. style, like, oh, you know, we, we got to get out of the cities and return back oh, to yeah. nature until. It's like you're Zen. You're in this, like. I know. Until you need a root canal. And then you're like, get me the out of the oh, back country no. and into the office of an endodontist 
whom I asked after. That's I said, a good word, entodontist. Entodontist, yeah. I didn't know they existed. Okay. What are they? Are they root canal yeah, specialists? Yeah, root canals. Whoa. So the roots were dying or dead. So they just drill a hole in the middle of the tooth. Because I said, pull this thing. I was in so much pain to my dentist when I came out of the backcountry. Uh, but he didn't do it. And he said, why would we pull it? It's a perfectly good, perfectly good tooth. And I was like, well, what are you going to do? And he's like, root canal. I was like, what is that? He's like, we're going to drill into the middle of the tooth. And we're going to pull out all the rotten roots. And we're going to backfill the whole thing. And then you'll be fine. That sounds intense, though. They went to town on this thing for 90 minutes straight. I were was you, all numbed were you out. out. No, but I was. I couldn't feel but anything. You can feel the vibration but they're just of cranking. the drills. Oh yeah, and that you can oh, hear the cranking. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, like, I don't that. like that. It's wow. so. Anyways, I uh, I think the the cold sore came with the stress of getting a root canal on the same day that I got my second COVID vaccine, which oh, made yeah. me pretty sick. And That's then what they the t- say the second one. I got the first one. You think the second one's gonna get me? Yeah. Oh boy. And then on top of that, 24 hours later, I was skiing Beaver Creek. Do you know the Stone Creek chutes? Have you ever gone through no, there? No. Snow was in bad shape. Shouldn't have been, shouldn't have been skiing chutes because it was lousy. And I took a turn. I thought I made it. Uh, the ski clipped the, on the tree, and it just took the ski right off, and Ooh. I just went boom, into the chute. Oh. Three rolls, landed on my feet, but the ski was up there. But it, it, but it wasn't it, ice, so you didn't slide all the way down. I didn't slide all the way down, but it was, uh, it rung me oh. for, so I was, uh, so you got the bum tooth, you're sick bum as a tooth, dog, Pfizer. Now you're scared and flipping. So anyways, now all I got left is a cold sore, so I'm doing better. Is it painful after the tooth thing? Cold sore? No, no, no. The cold sore is a cold sore. I know the cold sore. You know the cold what sore? What about the root canal? Uh, root canal. It's not, it's amazing. And did they, um, did they fill it with gold? I should have. Maybe Argentina. Argentina. Yeah. Silver. I, no, I, I asked him, I said, when was the, when is the oldest documented root canal? Yeah. Uh, trivia. And he said, yeah, here you go. Fun fact. Yeah. I don't know. He maybe just made it up or I was on, you know, drugs at the time. But he said, we have evidence the, the Egyptians were doing something like Whoa. this. And I was like, how in the hell did they do that? I was going to say, like, it seems counterintuitive to say you've got pain in your tooth like we should drill it yeah we should drill down the middle no it's almost like that um idea of the frontal lobotomy you remember that right take Pe- the front part of the brain they're crazy mind so. problems mm-hmm. so let's just drill their frontal lobe or whatever yeah well this worked so i'm a big fan of root canals All right. strongly recommended we support root canals Jeez. is that and, your first uh, one is that the first time that was the first one, is yeah. Is it your first cavity? No, unfortunately not. What do cavity how do cavities work? Cavities are different. That that's just on the tooth. And then you pull it out? Yeah, they just drill in, drill out the bad part of the, the tooth. Bad part. Put the oh. cavity in. Root canal though is uh is a bit more extensive. You gotta go to the entodontist. Okay. But they did say that the root canals were not really good until like the nineteen fifties, so So the I'm happy that we live in a world where root canals where guys, technology. guys can do this stuff. So so there you go. That was a long explanation of why I have a cold sore, though. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, true. You know what? I banged my arm. You did. I was swimming yesterday, you know, had some crazy stuff go on. I have very bad luck on my birthday. That is true about you. Yeah, I had my car towed a few years back on my birthday. Un- yeah, I don't know anybody like that though. Who like every year on the birthday something yep. bad happens. Yep. yep, it makes me scared. I'm looking forward to the end of that day, but then uh, ripped off my bumper on my car. It's low clearance. It was real icy because we had a big snowstorm. This was on your birthday. On my birthday, and then I go to the pool to go. I go to the choose fitness. Choose fitness. And I'm swimming just to relax. Swimming is very relaxing for me, but then. When I get tired of doing the freestyle, you know, forward like that, I switch over to the elementary backstroke. backstroke. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just relax and breathe and everything. And I'm swinging my arms back like this. Well, I forgot to like pay attention to where the flag is. So you oh, don't yeah. know where the end of the lane is. Oh. <laughs> and I came back full speed with my arm and whack, boom, hit that concrete. Oh, man. Woo. So this I don't rough. know if these like brittle bones are broken. Times are hard, man. Aye, aye, aye. Catholic stuff host is getting beat up by oh, life no. especially on the birthday maybe so, we're getting old i think we are getting old 38 38 started off rough though 
broken bones. Yeah, I don't know. It's all uphill. That's what I say. Or we're off to a good start. <laughs> day know. two. Things can always change. Well, what happened today? Um, I'm kind of well. I'm I'm kind of like giddy because I'm tired, but yeah. Um, also, I had this intense um, anointing of the sick before coming here. We just did a um, tonight funeral vigil, oh, well. and immediately before driving over here, I had this intense um, anointing of the sick, where I didn't. I yeah, I just went over responding to a call from a hospice chaplain and um, go over to the apartment, and the guy's coming back from the hospital. You know, the ambulance is bringing him back from the hospital, so I go um, go to his apartment, and he. Um, and Scott's waiting there for him, for me, and uh, and Rudy's coming home, and um, Scott is crying, and I'm comforting him and everything, and he's been Rudy's uh, partner for a long time, oh. you know, and he's telling me how Rudy's been sick, and it's been four years of him dying. It's really been hard, and it was very sad, um, and just trying to you know trying to comfort him. He was really glad the priest was there. And they got Our Lady of Guadalupe on the th- on the wall and everything, and um, some other religious stuff and art and everything. And then um, the guy comes back in, and um, he, he and then there's also his mom there, and she's um, kind of crying on my shoulder. And then he comes back in. They can't really get him up the elevator because of the uh, the gurney or whatever. And so I do the anointing in the um, in the lobby. And the guy was lucid, you know, he's, he's mm. going to die tonight or tomorrow morning, but he's lucid and, um, but he can't, he can't really talk. And so I'm doing the, doing the anointing and I could tell he wants to, he wants to talk to me. It was like before and after. And I put my ear right up to his mouth, like trying to hear what he was saying. Cause he was, you know, mouthing something. And I just couldn't hear. I couldn't hear what he was what he was saying. So I say the prayers, and um, and then you know try to try to hear him. There's other people standing around, medical personnel and everything too, and um, and it's just ended like that, you know. And then I I got to rush out the door, mm. and, um, and the the sacrament is is very profound. But I, occasionally I will. Um, just experience like I don't really know what I'm doing there you know I don't know how to do this right and it was and it was emotional leaving there and then at our funeral vigil tonight because I'm just like I care about this guy I want this guy to be all right and Mm -hmm. I don't know what his life as a Catholic would have been like and um, his journey but I'm just like here's a here's a good guy his his partner's a nice guy and um you know, they're just like it comes to the end of your life, and you know, you just don't know. It's such a mystery and everything. So, um, I'm glad. I'm glad that the church is there for him. I'm glad to be able to pray for him. I care about him. I'm going to follow up tomorrow and go. Yeah, that's good, man. Call Scott and find out, you know, what happened. But um, it was just, you know, it's complicated by. I don't know if this guy has been what you know, how he's felt as a as a Catholic. And, um, and I'm not, I'm not one to try to like, we need to rewrite Catholic teaching or something like that. Um, I think we're, I think we have a lot of wisdom and we're offering the world like something that the world doesn't understand. But, um, yeah, just on that personal level, it's like when you care about people and that's such an important time, I don't know. I mean, circumstances aside, it's like such an important time that, I just wish I knew what that guy. I wanted to. T- I wanted to be able to just like tell him the right thing or say the right thing. And there's nothing better. This is where it's just humbling. There's nothing better that I could tell him than the prayers of the church to hmm. pray the prayers and to do the anointing of the sick with him. But I still feel kind of li- the limits. You know? Yeah. So that was my. Yeah, <laughs> it's a heavy night uh, between that and the wake. So. Our brother and companion, uh, Father Chris Considine, who's Father Nathan Goebel's parochial vicar, lives here at the Schloss. Uh, his father passed away very suddenly from a heart attack uh, several weeks ago, and tonight we had the wake. Cliff Considine, uh, amazing guy. But it's interesting it, it kind of tying into what we were talking about earlier with 
Cliff was a man who, a wild character, um, amazing and hilarious, yeah, joyful, but also like he had his struggles and he he worked through some really hard patches of life, but he just ended well. Yeah. He was in love with Jesus and he his his soul was reconciled to God, and then he went suddenly. Yep. And you just think about man. Yeah, and he, he was had, reconciled to his family. He was in a great place with God. Yeah, he was in a good place with his kids. His yeah. wife had passed a number of years back, um, but he had retired not long ago, and he was traveling the country and seeing all the state parks and all this stuff. Yeah, and he was happy. Yeah, he was. You know, um, Father Chris, I, if I can share this, he in our Lord's Day we share graces, and he had just shared like the, that Saturday before his dad died. He had just shared, not knowing that there was anything, there wasn't anything, you know, medically wrong with Cliff, but he shared how it was just a grace for him this week, reflecting on how happy his dad is and like how, like what what a good place he is with God and how serious he is about his, his uh, faith. You know, he, he, the priest tonight said something about how he had had a conversation with him recently and. Cliff was just saying, well, uh, it's a new new stage in my life, and I'm just wondering um, how, to, how to serve God, like what God wants me to do and how I can help. And It's beautiful. This guy, yeah. is, this guy has um, one of those personalities that's very unique, like just light up the room and super smile and um, just a really engaging and fun guy. Yeah. So, but that's the kind of death, you know. We pray for a happy death. Happy death, yeah. And that's, yeah. We were saying that's the way we'd like to go. Like to go, yeah. Hopefully, I mean, he he did it. He's a great model of that, and it's it's a very hopeful night when you when you um, can pray with just that that joy and that it, it, it's not that we don't have hope always with whoever passes and we're praying for, but just there's a particular kind of joy joy filled hope when yeah. somebody knew Christ and and had committed their life to Him and and died in God. So. Yeah, happy so, ending. There always is yeah. for Christians, but yeah. um, in this case, it was yeah, it was a joyful occasion. Yeah, real joy. Well, I threw it at uh, Father Mike tonight because uh, we were, we had a couple of topics in mind, and I don't know if it's just the spirit of the evening, uh, a little more melancholic or somber. But man, I just was not. We were going to do two, and yeah. then we were talking to a bunch of good people afterwards, and so I he, he kind of picked up the slack tonight on uh, topic. Kind of. Kind of is the right word. Um, I had had a few uh, ideas, and I, I guess I will get to one on. I'd like to define terms of social discourse. I was mentioning to you. Yeah. I want to get into some some um, like that's a heavy topic. I was going to do uh, psalms, like the the angry psalms. What do you do about the angry psalms? Yeah. But I don't feel really angry right now. No. And so I'm kind of dropping that one, and I'm going to what could be just like a, I don't know, an interview. And Uh so you you better be ready. All right. No, it's not that big a deal. I just wanted to talk to you about preaching and kind Uh, of what that experience is like. I thought maybe people would be interested in knowing what what it's like for a priest uh, preaching. So I was listening to uh, Jerry Seinfeld's most recent book, Okay. Um, it's kind of a biography of his life or autobiography, whatever. And he tells jokes and stuff. But he was talking about his experience as a kid and seeing people um, performing stand-up comedy and then um, wanting to do that, just saying, I'd love to be on stage doing that thing. And I was thinking on my own life, and I'm like, I don't think as a kid I ever, ever wanted to be on yeah. stage. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't a ham. I wasn't a theater guy. No. Not into – in fact, I am rather – self-conscious and I don't know about nervous anymore, but like stage fright with preaching, but pretty self-conscious. And I don't, I don't think I really, I do like it sometimes, but a lot of times when I step up, I'm nervous and then I just whatever, get into it. But, um, yeah, I thought I'd ask you, I start there with that question. When, at what point did you, did you start to like public speaking or yeah. f- figure out that, you know, this could be something that you're yeah, that I would say similar made for? Would you say that a priest is made for that or something? Yeah, Part I don't know. I don't know. I think that uh, similar to you, I never really was not a... My acting career began and ended with uh, Bob Cratchit in fifth grade. 
So Christmas Until Carol. Seminary. Weren't you, uh, and then we did the one in seminary. seminary. Yeah, we did the one in seminary. I would say... Um, you were Bob Cratchit? I was Bob Cratchit. Yeah, hey, that's not a bad role. That was a good role, you know? Who is that? That's the father of the... That's a big role, isn't it? That was a big role. Yep. Yeah, it was, it was a big, it was a big deal, man. You know, did fifth you, grade, some view elementary. You got that accent? I do not. That no. Dickens thing. I had to pick up little, what's his name, Tiny yeah, Tim, Tim though. Tiny Tim at the with end his of it. crutches. That's so precious. Yeah, it was fun. Who um, was Tiny Tim? I forget. I don't some know. little. It was a little guy, first like grader a or first something. grader, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, with you, didn't really get into it, uh, but yeah, then we just do it, right? Yeah. Um, and homiletics is. In seminary is kind of w- weird and lame because it's not, it's just not, it's not real life, you know. So it's kind of like you're in a, you're in a laboratory kind of. Um, and then, but I, I don't know. I, I think I think I took to it really quickly. I love it. I yeah. love I love preaching. I actually like teaching more though. Yeah. Than preaching, and I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that because well, they are, they're similar, my, but they're also different. Yeah, I think a lot of my preaching is teaching. Not everybody does that. Not everybody has to do that. It's a lot of your own personality goes into preaching. Yeah. And for me, that's, it's the way I think I tend to, I'm not a very good storyteller. I tend to just think of things that I want to teach and yeah. then kind of craft a homily around that or not. I start with the readings, but then kind of craft something that I think people would take away having learned and appreciate or whatever. But yeah, I say I I probably tend more toward the teaching side, but I have realized I do like preaching, and I think I'm pretty good at it. Do you think you're good at preaching? Yeah, I do, and I think you're good at it too. And I think if I was to ask my college students, what is the most memorable homily from that era when I was a chaplain, I think it was your homily uh. at the hut, Jesus is Punk. Oh, Jesus is Punk. That was a good one. That one stuck in them you know what's funny about that is uh the guys i made them do this kind of kind of garonsky style mass in the hut like sit around and yeah. they just they don't like that you know because oh, they're seminarians really? oh the and i was like recently i was like if you don't like this the other option is we can go put our sleeping bags on and sit on the pad on the uh deck that's how we used to that's do how it. we used to do it and they were like that's just ridiculous and i was like hey man what are they doing then? They're kneeling the whole time. I don't know, but it was funny <laughs> to make them do that. But that was, that was a very iconic, and, and very impressionable homily. Um, I find that I don't remember most homilies. I remember homilists. That that one you gave in particular is is one that absolutely distinguishes itself. Um, but usually it's it's the homilist who leaves yeah. the lasting Im- impression. Bill Bear, Father Bill Bear, for example, who's also passed. My rector at the college seminary, amazing. Yeah, amazing homilist. But I don't remember. Like, if you were like, well, "What were your three favorite?" I don't even know. Right. But I just remember being. I think so Goble could probably do him. that. Some yeah. people could do that, but yeah. I'm with you. I'm more like, I can remember the preachers. Um, I can remember Father Drendel. I can yeah. remember I, a lot of the priests if I can think of them. It's just like there's so much of a person's, uh, of a priest's personality that goes into it. You know, so you can just, you remember their spirit through the preaching. I remember your homily for, um, for Father Gronsky's funeral. Yeah. And I remember at one point telling you that I liked your eulogy. Eulogy. <laughs> but I, was I like, can't remember what exactly what, what that was in you Switzerland. preached there, that was but in I do Switzerland. remember that. That was at the sign the of peace, and I was just occasion. like pissed off the rest of Mass, and then you were like... Eulogio, like a good word, and I was like, "Oh, yeah. okay." I thought you. Were... I I was too technical with my Greek there. Oh man, I was so just funny. Grateful that he was saying nice things. Yeah, no, that's good. But, that's good. Uh, how do you do? So I tell the guys in seminary because that we talk about this, and because I think preaching is so important um, to do it well, but not everybody's a talented homilist. Yeah, we have some friends who are really, really good. Yeah. But not everybody has it's a it's a natural gift. It's kind of like singing. Like some people are just better singers. Everybody can get better. But yeah. I do think that if you can deliver a good homily, and uh, so I tell the guys, ethos, pathos, logos. You've heard this before. We've podcasted on this before, actually. But to start with the ethical 
appeal, which is the humanity, which is the the person who yeah. is you. You don't just step into the. But how do you? The two extremes are guys are just depersonalizing and they're just downloading information about the gospel, which doesn't work. Yeah. Or you get like the narcissist who's just talking about <laughs> yeah. his toothache from last week, which I right. did. It was actually the the well, lead of the homily. So what's right, the balance? That's the balance. What's the balance? I think you got to know your audience. I think, and I was that's what I was going to ask you about is like, you know. Well, I would say this for for anyone who's self conscious about preaching, um, which isn't always the the bottom line. That's part of the one of the questions I want to ask now that I've been in for whatever eleven years or something. Is how do you how do you assess yourself after preaching so long and then keep improving? Yeah. Um, but I would say, for me and for I would say for everyone, put in work. Yeah. Keep putting in the work. You know, you can sit back and make it like I used to prepare for, I don't know, five hours. And now I prepare for half an hour before yeah. preaching. And the quality is going to suffer. Yeah. You know? um, I do think you can you can admit that your talents are elsewhere and then give, you know, give a solid homily. But you don't have to, you know, be impressed by yourself or. You know, get a lot of pats on the back. I feel like, I feel like the people are going to say nice things anyway. Yeah, I really do find it hard to assess what was a good homily, what was not. You know, what was the most important? Like, what, what? If somebody says, "Oh, that was a great homily," thank you, Father. Like, what exactly was it? Yeah, you know, was there a point that you learned from? Was there some? Example? I would recommend was that to people. If you want to, if you want to compliment a homilist, say what, say what it was this point or uh, that's always like really helpful yeah um what's your length my length of a homily is well it's it's actually kind of sporadic because i don't like set a time and whatever but i think i'm probably about um 14 minutes okay for a sunday homily which mm. i think is long in, yeah. in terms of like what they had taught us in seminary but i don't really calculate it so much as i I my process is that I sit and I read the readings, and I'll and I would like to hear about your process. I sit and read the readings. I try to do that early on in the week, in anticipation of Sunday. So this is big help. talking about yeah. Sunday, I, and I pray with them. You know, I just want to know, and, and that's first mostly an exercise for me entering into Lexio Divina. I'm not immediately thinking of what should I say to other people. It's just God. Do you want to speak to me with these readings? So I'm praying them. At the same time, I'm very intellectual, so I'm meditating with, like, thinking over the meaning of the readings and the context and, like, the different imagery or phraseology in in the scriptures. And then I'm the next step is just, like, okay, I'm brainstorming, and I've got – I'm good at brainstorming. If I'm good at anything, it's brainstorming. You're a brainstormer, for sure. So I will come up with – I don't know, a half dozen different ideas and then pray about, God, what do you want for your people? What do you want them to hear? Where, where should I go with this? Mm-hmm. And then I'll kind of, I, it's not always a strong sense, but there's kind of an in, in, intuition. And um, and then I'll, GB, I'll take that and say, okay, this is the basic readings, the message, the imagery that I, I think the Lord is pointing me to. And then I'm chewing on that yeah. for the next few days. And I'm just chewing that, letting that process, letting things jump out. Is there something that happens to me during the week? Is there something that I run into out in the world? And then let that kind of keep thinking. So I'm, I'm almost always thinking about stuff throughout mm. the week for the, um, for the weekend masses. Now, I know that could be obsessive or burdensome for, for some, but I can kind of let things come and go really easily. Yeah, that's cool. So I can still focus on other things and then just come back to it or whatever. And usually that kind of percolates into what I think is a good um, kind of message. And then I'll refine that before mass. I'll take an hour and just try to hone that down so that it's clear and it's maybe timely. Yeah. So that I'm not just rambling a really long homily with just an outline Uh or also not like I have, I'm not sure what to say because I, you know, yeah kind of fell into it so that's my that's my process i would say mostly it's it's got something to do with praying brainstorming and 
um, like an ongoing meditation, really letting it sit. And it's cool stir. though you can float in and out of it as you're moving through life. I can't really do that. And I don't do as much study. Like I know Father Brian sits down for yeah. hours with the books and finds the right quotes and stuff. And I'm not so good at that. I don't. That's not really my style. I think I, it could help, but um, mostly I'm more like trying to assess where my people are at. Like I'm at the cathedral right now and at St. Elizabeth and then um, asking the Lord, like, where, you know, what in particular can I say? And sometimes it's, just, it's mostly just like teaching about the mystery of Christ and yeah. the gospel or taking something straight from the readings and like making sense of it to people. Sometimes that's a, like a very pointed kind of message about um, like this last Sunday I preached about um, conversion and like different steps to that, like how do you get honest with yourself and how do you admit your guilt and then how do you live with your guilt and how do you keep that from becoming shame and still uh, be, you know, keep your head up as a what's know, it child like, of God. What's it like preaching up in that high pulpit all the time? That's weird. It's intimidating. He's so in, I'm at the cathedral. the cathedral. Yeah, but that's like you're way up there. Yeah, the cathedral thing is it's kind of weird being way up there. I have gotten used to it. You uh-huh. know, so it's like I, I'm looking out and I like to look at people's faces and see, kind of read, read the people. And I can do that really well from, from up above. Huh. But I think I can also see people sort of zoning out more easily, which is, I don't know, it affects the way, yeah. like the energy of the, the homily and kind of what I think is interesting, where I'm going and all this stuff. So... Uh, it's a particular environment. My other mission church, St. Elizabeth, is like a small community where you're just right there with, like, right uh, with the people. Uh, Father Ron preaches in front of f- in front of the altar, and it's like kind of closer to the people. And I've thought about doing that, but I haven't really taken to it. Huh. I actually find like if I if I feel like I'm getting intense about the message that I'm going to give, and um, really want to tap into my own kind of emotion and be vulnerable, then that distance actually helps me. Yeah. Whereas Makes if sense. I'm really close, I almost feel like I'm performing something mm-hmm. or I'm in a, yeah, on a stage or something. Ironically, because yeah. being in a tower, yeah. it's almost like, yeah, I've never been like able to most. do the in front of the altar thing. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm more ADD and I, it's good to stay stationary. Yeah, I think it could be distracting yeah. if you're, kind of wandering or yeah. pacing. What's your process like? Not as cool as yours. Um, so my I'm not in the parish, so I'm not preaching. Yeah, but you preach almost every day, don't you? No. With the guys? Oh, Mm-mm. really? So I preach uh, twice a semester At the in, in the seminary to the whole community and then maybe like twice a month. On because or maybe maybe more than that maybe like three or four times a month at the parish. Uh no at, at to my house my parish house guys. Oh yeah, what about at the parish? Don't you help at the parish? Yeah, one or two masses on the weekend. So, I um, I find that I uh yeah I there's like a fine line for me for prep. If I put too much time and thought into it, if I pulled the books off, it would be fifty minutes. Like I. I find that immediately uh, when they start praying, things start jumping, ideas start moving, it starts coming together. The question for me is, what are you going to not say? Because you, you can't say everything. everything. Yeah, yeah. So I actually have to kind of hone the the ideas. I, I find a couple of things that are helpful. One is to pray early into the into the week and, and pray personally what is actually speaking into my life. Yeah. And, because that, that carries more kind of force, I think, through the whole process. Yeah. When it's actually like... I'm not just abstractly thinking about an idea, but it's like part of that this is your, word your ethos, right? This word speaks into my life about this situation or this sin or this relationship or whatever. So that's always amazing, and the word of God is alive, and I, I'm still amazed by that. I don't pray well after all these years of doing holy hours. I, I still feel like I'm like, but I'm amazed by like when you pray with the word of God, it it's it's alive. Yeah. It's vital. It's effective. It, it's the sword, you know, piercing into our hearts. And so that's exciting. And then as the ideas kind of percolate, like you're saying, um, I usually try and figure out, okay, how am I going to communicate this? 
Because I, I just think that people are not usually disposed to hear, you know? Yeah. I remember the, I read an article in The Economist, this is like seven or eight years ago, that said that the average American watches 40 hours of television a week. Yeah. Average. Okay. So the thought of them trying to pay attention to me talk about doctrine for 10 minutes, not going to happen. So yeah. I feel like we got to hook them. We got to win them. I know you do this because I've listened to you preach for many years. So that's usually the question for me is what's this, what's the ethos? What's the story? What's the win? What's the, what's the image that's going to grab them and incarnate, make incarnate this idea that I have. Yeah. And then usually it's, I try a theme thing. Do you have like, I do, I do a lot of theme, like start and end with the same theme or something. Yeah. It kind of depends. That kind of depends. And I, uh, I like the three point thing that helps keep me organized. So I try and Mm kind of hone it down, but the three points are the way I describe it is like, I get the, the homily kind of pulls together and I know where I want to go. I want to get to the summit of this mountain. And you know, remember those Karens, those, these rock piles yeah, yeah. as you're climbing up like markers along right, the above trail. tree line there's no trail it's just rocks so they have these big piles of rocks and you just go from Karen to Karen so the three points are like I got to get to those three Karens to get to the summit it doesn't really matter how I get there so I don't write homilies I don't um I just I want the Karens clearly laid out in my mind and then just boom 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 yeah you know? so it's but, more like the outline right and, uh, so it's just yeah. about getting the right amount and of order and then keeping the flexibility because it changes and it changes with the people. Um, Do you change dramatically from like if if you're preaching the same readings, same weekend? Yeah. Do you change it dramatically from homily to homily? Uh, it depends. They usually get better. The first one I joke is like batting practice. Like Saturday yeah, night, totally, Saturday night totally. mass is just like you're just warming up warming up the uh taking some swings and i think they know that i think the saturday night crowd they don't care but uh but then yeah it does it's weird how it changes um and ideas come together different ways i'm amazed after 10 years of doing this how i will sit down and be like you just crushed that and no and then there'll be nothing yeah nobody nobody, it it didn't resonate with anything and then i will sit down and i will be like that was a total failure. You suck as a homilist. And people will be like, that was the most amazing they've ever heard. Oh, so it's it. it's crazy how what convicts people. Do you ever feel like you need to scrap the whole thing? Yeah. And start over? Yeah. And do you do it? Because I, I think I feel that occasionally, not not very frequently actually, but occasionally I'll give it on the say the Saturday night uh-huh. and I'll be like, that was really bad. Yeah. And then I don't know where to go. But most of the time, I'll just give it again. Yeah. But maybe try to tweak some things or just, and I think I've become comfortable with it. Yeah. And hopefully it's not like I become comfortable with giving a bad homily, but there's also something of like, okay, I have to accept that this is what God gave me this week. It'd be good to get people who could give us honest feedback. Yeah. I'm, I'm having, I'm telling friends to, who come regularly to masses to time it. But yeah. but randomly, like I don't want to. I don't want to be like time the ten a.m. mass because then I'll be just. I want to because I'm like, am I at ten minutes? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I I don't even I'm not know. Sure where so I'm, I'm doing that, and then I also I'm just trying to get a little more honest feedback. Like for me, I always rush. Like I just amp up and I stay amped. Yeah, and it's like people can't just. You can't just stay at like zone five heart rate and yep, just blast yep. people for, you got to kind of bring it down, bring it back up, bring it back down. Pauses, silence is so powerful. Like I would listen to you guys do this and I'm like, I just, when the mind starts moving, it's too much. No, I'm like you. You so, know who's good at this? Choochie. Choochie. Listening to him preach right, at that funeral. That funeral. I was like, man, that guy, he knows how to pause. Those or are he, so. He so that's pace. that's what, that's what I feel like I'm working on. That's the next chapter of like, try and try and slow it down. What about okay? So what about this? What about um, do you get bored? <laughs> like I'll go. I I'll have four masses to preach. Yeah. Of, on the same readings. Yeah. And the first one, like you say, is warm up. The second one is tight. That's my best one. And then the third one is I'm bored. Right. And then the fourth one is like, ah, I'm getting close to the end, so at least I'm, you know, like yeah. light. 
but that third one man when i'm bored i feel like oh man that's everybody's got to be bored that's funny i haven't preached the same homily four times in probably 7 years that's probably good yeah. i tell you what though doing it one time isn't enough that's the worst that's right yeah it's like cuz oh, it is the warm up it's the warm up so all right what about this uh humor in the humor humor in the homilies do you tell jokes no humor not jokes humor not jokes jokes i think suck in homilies but some people can get away with it what's the humor i don't even know any jokes look like i don't know any i think i think (laughs) i think authentic self-deprecating humor is very effective in moderation yeah i uh, some of our other guys do this larkin's good at this goble is good at this um People think priests take themselves too seriously. They think Christians, it's, this is a project about self-importance and self-righteousness. And it's very disarming when they hear people say, just, and I learned this from you, like not just humor, but just kind of off the wall things, like just random yeah. comments. I made a comment on Christmas Eve mass that Haley, um, uh, what's her name? Haley McCoy's boyfriend went to. I don't think he's a particularly practicing Catholic, but he he was there. And I made a comment about Jolt. Do you remember Jolt in the eighties? Oh, yeah. We used to drink Jolt. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, this is like Mountain Dew plus some cocaine, you know. But then they, they would give us to this as children in the eighties, and we would stay up all night. And I was talking about this, and but that was the kind of wacky reference to describing, you know, uh, Jolt as Mountain Dew with cocaine. These things stick in people's brains. And they make they get they they make people interested. Yeah. And I think yeah. that so it doesn't always have to be humor. Some people are funnier than others. Goebbels' humor is unbelievable, um, and he's honed it really well in the homily. Yeah, he's very good at that. The but jokes. That's part of his. Thing. I don't know. What is your take on jokes? No, I don't know how to tell jokes, uh, <laughs> so I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I think, you know, like I don't know how to tell stories either. I got a deacon over there at the cathedral, and he is really good with stories yeah. and examples like that. Yeah. And I wish I could do that, but I don't. So I'm not going to try. I'm not going to force myself. Or to tell jokes, I'm terrible yeah. at telling jokes. All I right. can never get to the punchline, you know? Here's my question. How do, we, how, do we, how do we make the next generation of homeless better than us? We're working in seminary. You're teaching them scripture. I'm teaching them dogma. How do we make them, like tonight at this wake... Yeah, they were saying a, a true father loves to see that his children are better than he is. Yeah, and I was like, that's a beautiful insight. How do we have the same thing to be like? I want our boys, yeah, to be so awesome that ten years from now people are like, gosh, those old companions, those guys, those guys were nothing. Yeah, you know? how do we do that? Well, Larkin always says you have to uh, pray and study the scriptures. And I think that's true. I think you do have to stay engaged with your own prayer. And you could, I mean, you could be doing holy hours and never praying scripture. And you could do homily prep and be doing study or kind of just jump jump from, here's an, here's an image or a phrase from Jesus, and then I'm going into my whole message. Right. And the whole thing is removed from the scripture itself. And I, so I think you do need to study scripture. And, uh, and pray with it well. I don't know how this happens, but I want to find out how I can be authentic and vulnerable in my preaching without drawing attention to myself. I can do it when I draw attention to myself. Yeah. Not in, I don't think it's in a really a selfish way, but even if I give examples, like recently I gave an example of like, here's how I've failed. And I haven't been able to restore this, um, like a relationship with my family, uh, extended family member. Yeah. And it was really hard to talk about that. Yeah. And it was really risky, I felt like. But it was really real for people in a powerful way. And the thing is, you can't just say, oh, here's my example. Oh, right. here's me. Oh, right. here's my example. You should pray like me. You should think like me. You right. should do like me. You should. So. I don't know how to do the vulnerability part without pointing at myself, but I'm hoping that that's where I can improve. And yeah. I would like to see everyone improve that way. Cause I think what what's stifling and difficult is if you are like, I don't know if it's all written out and you're reading it, people 
they turn off Yonner, right away. as Goebbels would say, yeah. Yeah. Even if it's well-crafted yeah. or a good message or something. Also, if it's just spontaneous and you don't have much to say, they're going to zone out. Yeah. If you're just throwing jokes yeah. and you don't, there's no substance or whatever. Jokes. So <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly what it is, but I think I'd like to see vulnerability. Yeah. I think that means a lot to people. And it actually changes the culture because it's not a classroom, but I think I have a temptation to make it a classroom. Right. And it's not here. Let me try to out entertain Netflix because you're not going to. Right. You know, it's also not a Bible study. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like our homilies are Bible studies. Yeah. Right. We should be studying the Bible, like in terms of the, the Narratio, in terms of salvation history and the structure of, you know, um, you can't do a lot in 10, 15 minutes. Right. It sounds like everything. it sounds like a lot of time. I want to get this out here. Catholics, the homily is hardly anything. Yeah. The mass is everything, and right. the homily is supposed to help you pray a little bit. Right. Don't go to mass to try to get your, you know, I, I loved the preacher today, or right. I loved the preaching or whatever. If there's something that draws you into prayer, great. If you learn something, great. Uh, if you can take something with you, great. But this is not the heart of it's the, not the mass. It's not the food. Yeah. Yeah. But that okay. So that aside, we do do it. Right. It is important. Right. Well, and priests love it, and we build our little cults around our style and our. I I think with young guys, I don't know. I mean, I, I agree with what Larkin is saying about you have to pray the scriptures. I see my young guys doing that. Our young guys doing that. I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about them praying. They really are prayerful men. I am worried about the question of authentic authenticity or vulnerability in preaching because I think that's powerful but not being egocentric that's a great question I also am just straight up like we need to be better rhetoricians like better communicators yeah like we're just not good priests are just not good communicators in the sense of like orators orators and I so there's a part of me that's like I want to get Weston Kieschnick in do you know Weston I don't know who that is Weston is a buddy who his whole job is is like forming teachers to be better teachers basically so he travels all over he writes books and he's just he's a he's a master communicator and i'm just i'm like i want to put him and he's also the kind of guy that would inspire i think but i just like i want to take these guys up to senior river ranch for a couple days in the mountains and just just do it and practice and have very honest conversations about what is happening instead of the kind of yeah homiletic lab i do think yeah just okay just sheer running through exercises yeah when you got michelangelo who's brilliant and creative and absolutely unique he came from a time when art was apprenticeship you paint the master you paint the same paintings of the masters and you copy that you find someone who's really good and then you copy that copy that copy that copy that and then you're developing your style, mm. you know, slowly and from that. So like what you're saying, I think that's true. But I think more often than not, even my impression was here, go get them. You know, here's paints. And right. that's like theology or, yeah. you know, um, moral teachings or some prayer experience. Here's your palette. Go and paint. And you end up with like Jackson Pollock or whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know, just people splattering paint right. and hoping it or I don't know. Like I can paint a kind of bad Bob Ross thing, but I think to get to get masterful, you really have to try to copy good speaking. But we never hear each other preach. That's true. Were it not for that's true. Were it not for but us I being companions, like, we I would never like, hear each other. Like preach. the my most inspiring preachers were people that like like the Goronsky. I loved yeah. hearing Goronsky preach. Right. And I don't know what it was because he wasn't a gimmick guy. No. He wasn't really a joke guy. Sometimes no. he would tell good <laughs> jokes. But he was about here's a man of profound depth who knows Jesus and he knows theology very deeply and engages with the world and humanity. That's where I think he really had it. Yeah. It was like he knew what it was to be a man. Yeah. And he wasn't like that doesn't mean like like a a tough guy or something it means he was an observer of people and i like that about like seasoned pastors as well it's like they've they've wrestled with the heart of people and yeah. tried to understand what makes them tick how do people relate to god yeah. and then how can i help them connect with this 
preaching. But I say that because it's like, I think those people have impressed me with try to preach like this. In my mind, it's like try to imitate this, mm-hmm. even though you have to have your own style too. Yeah. But I don't know if that happens at the seminary. Do you that get good is, preachers? Maybe you bring in good preachers. I, we've had some great guys in the last few years come out. Um, and that's um, that's it, what you just described at the end. That's the, the, the preacher who impresses itself upon us, whether he's a good orator or not, is the one who knows the human heart. And he knows humanity's struggle with God, and he knows how to, how to speak into that, because that's what, that's what pierces in. That's what changes us, and that's what Gronsky did. So, yeah, nice. We better wrap it up here right. because speaking of that, we got well. Uh, thanks for talking about preaching. I know this was no, kind man. of um, it's good stuff. I don't know. It wasn't like a here. Let me teach you something, and that's usually what I am inclined toward. But thank you. I love talking about preaching. I'm curious about it because I haven't seen. Yeah, like I haven't been able to see you preach for a while. I know, and I I, I miss it and look forward to it. I love watching the brothers preach. It is great, isn't it's it? Really it's really fun so to celebrate with a guy that you know really well we, because it you is, just don't see that side of him. It's such a it's such a joy and it's something we have to we have to fight. Like priests who are out there listening to this, it's like we got to fight to be in each other's lives and to and to listen to each other preach because it is so inspiring and edifying and I think that it it just draws us together. So, all right, shout out. Uh, ooh, I don't even know if I have any shout outs. Matthew Eastmo, shout out to you. I got your topic per your request here. Spiritual direction versus counseling. I will get onto that at some point. I promise you that. But uh, I don't think I have any other than that. So there was a lot for of kickback about Villanova. Oh. And we're going to address that. But we're okay. hoping that it's when Villanova advances in the NCAA tournament. So, right. Uh, Father, uh, Father Nathan and I decided that sometime when we get on the mic, we're going to even talk about this saint Villeneuve or whatever Villeneuve. okay um, here's one from Kylie Duca Delka from Birmingham I don't how do you say that name anyway she uh, she wrote a really nice I think it's Deluca Deluca yeah yep yep that could be a Uduca anyway Deluca Kaylee uh, this note was really nice it says nice things about thank yous <laughs> But it starts with this, hello, good people. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I like that. I don't know if that's a thing. Is hello, that a good people. Thing? That hello, might be. Good hello, people. good people. So that's my new greeting. Thank you. Hello, Kelly. good people. Thank you, good people. Have a good Thank night. Thank you, good, good homilus. I'd be interested to hear the title of this. Let's talk about percolating. He always comes over uh, this. I don't know. We'll have to. I'll think about that. Um, I would love feedback, especially from priests out there and deacons who preach. Yep. Uh, tell us if you have pointers love to hear give us some stuff to give to the younger crowd catholic stuff podcast at gmail.com thanks for listening michael lawrence gonna be with you happy 38th oh thank you birthday boy next week